So this is the second day of Sashin. And we'll be continuing our exploration uh, from yesterday of case number two in the Muman Khan, Hyakujo and the Fox. So just as a refresher, I'll read the case and then we'll pick up where we were yesterday. The case goes like this. Whenever Hyakujo delivered a teisho, a certain old man was always there listening, together with the monks. When they left the hall, he also left. One day, however, he remained behind, and Hyakujo said to him, Who are you? The old man replied, I'm not a human being. In the far distant past, in the time of Kashapa Buddha, I was the head of this monastery. On a certain occasion, a certain monk asked me whether an enlightened person could fall again under the chain of cause and effect. And I answered that he could not. Because of that answer, I have for 500 years, or 500 lives, been reborn a fox. I now beg you to release me from this fox body by saying the turning words on my behalf. Then he asked Yakujo, can an enlightened person fall under the chain of cause and effect or not? Hyakujo answered, he does not ignore the law of causation. The old man immediately wakened and making his bows said, I am now released from rebirth as a fox and my body will be found on the other side of the mountain. I wish to make a request of you. Please bury me as a dead monk. Hyakujo had the head monk strike the clappers and inform the monks that after the midday meal, there would be a funeral service for a dead monk. The monks thought this odd since all of them were in good health and there was no one sick in the Nirvana Hall. And they wondered for what reason could this, for this order. After they had eaten, Hyakujo led them to the foot of a rock on the far side of the mountain and with his staff poked out the dead body of a fox and had it cremated. That evening, Hyakujo ascended to the rostrum in the hall and told the monks the whole story. Obaku, who is his senior student, thereupon asked the following question. This old man made a mistake in his answers and suffered rebirth as a fox for 500 lives, you say. But suppose that every time he had answered, he had not made a mistake. Would he, what would he have become? Yakujo replied, just come closer to me and I'll tell you. Obaku went up to Yakujo and slapped him. Yakujo, clapping his hands and laughing, exclaimed, I thought the barbarian's beard is red, but I see that you are a barbarian with a red beard. So that's the case. Yesterday we were beginning to talk about cause and effect, causation. Um, it's often pictured as a wheel, this wheel of um, samsara. And this wheel should be really looked at 
carefully because we tend to repeat patterns and cycles in our life. Sometimes these, pain, these cycles are quite painful. Sometimes these cycles happen weekly, daily, monthly, yearly, hourly, moment by moment. From a Buddhist point of view, these cycles emerge because of our of, of the three poisons, which are greed, hatred, and delusion. Another way of putting that would be attachment, which is greed, aversion, which is hatred, and ignorance, which is ignorance. And classically in Buddhism, these are represented by three animals, a bird, a snake, and a pig. But, and then, of course, in this koan, in this case, it's a fox. We, we may be able to see how we act out of greed and hatred. That might be clear to us at times. But what about ignorance? What are, we, what are we ignorant of? When it comes to cause and effect, we might be like kids where we're acting out of a kind of innocent lack of knowledge. When kids don't realize how their life is affected how cause and effect acts upon them, that sense of that sense of they'll go on forever, immortality. But more likely with us, it's more something to the effect of, well, in my case, it's gonna be different. I think Maybe even on a subtle level, that goes through our minds that our lives are somehow different, special, and therefore the same rules don't apply. And that's really because, and this is this is really uh, points out the the centrality of the ego delusion as Hawkwin just referred to in the chant, um, because we're the star of the show. And the star of the show always succeeds or always fails. Sometimes we ignore our ignorance is manifested through sheer denial of our cycles. Sometimes it's forgetfulness. We forget the pain. 
Sometimes we blame others. So we blame circumstances for these painful cycles. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking this is going to be the last time. And then we're right back in it. In terms of spiritual practice, we may even come to believe, like I said yesterday, that we're above such cycles. This is common when people have a first insight to believe that they've transcended the world of regular things and regular feelings and all of that. The other, the other way that spiritual practice can, can keep us stuck in our ignorance is cycling in complacency. Complacency that, uh, there's nothing to get. There's nothing to do. Well, you know, everything is whole and complete just as it is. So why make an effort? Why change? Uh, complacency is a real um, troubling force for Zen practitioners of just sitting and kind of zoning out. <clears throat> so each time we use one of these strategies, what we're trying to do is in some way evade the law of cause and effect, either through our own cleverness, our own unskillfulness, our own denial, and we end up as a fox spirit. And so the old man in the koan asks, can you please say a turning word, something that'll set me free? from this cycle of being reborn over and over and over again. And what's important about this, to my mind, is in this case, he admits that he made a big mistake. He misspoke. He gave bad advice. It's a real sign of maturity in our lives is one that I fail at constantly to admit our own mistakes, our own shortcomings, without resorting to blame. There's a story, very briefly, of a Japanese airline pilot. Apparently on Back in November of 1968, a captain, Captain Kohei Asoa, accidentally landed his Japanese uh, Japan Airlines flight number two in the ocean in the shallow waters of San Francisco Bay. And it was several kilometers from the runway, apparently, in San Francisco International Airport. The plane, it says, came to rest on the seabed 
and all the passengers were safely evacuated on lifeboats. And the aircraft was eventually refurbished and put together back into service at a cost of about $4 million US. During the court hearings, procedures, or proceedings, investigations, as the captain was being interviewed, he said, as you Ameri-, it was asked, what, what happened? What went wrong? And he said, as you Americans say, I fucked up. <laughs> Even though, of course, there were contributing factors. He could have used in his defense that the weather was really low visibility. There was low contrast between the cloud cover and the water. The crew was using new landing system that they'd never used before. All of these things, of course, he could have gone to as his first defense. But he didn't. So the old man asks Yakujo, does the enlightened person fall under the law of cause and effect or not? And Yakujo says, the enlightened person does not ignore the law of cause and effect. <clears throat> As we get older and wiser, hopefully, <laughs> we begin to see more clearly our patterns, our habits. And we're not quite as surprised by them when they come up. Sometimes we learn to take a different road before they get too painful. And a big part of our practice is learning ahead of time to see and anticipate these traps. This is also true in Sashin practice. Many people here are new to Sashin practice or newer to Sashin practice. We, as, as you gain experience in practice, you learn this most skillful ways to do a retreat, to do, to do sashin. How to get the most out of it. Uh, we may stop caffeine earlier. We may, before sashin starts, we may begin to um, stop the constant influx of media before sashin starts. A lot of little things like this pave the road for a smoother sashin and allows us to go deeper more quickly because our minds, believe it or not, that everything that goes into our minds stays there. So if we binge on media, guess what's going to happen when we try to quiet our minds? All that stuff's in there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a harder time quieting. 
So we, as we get older and more experience in practice, we learn these things ahead of time, and then we make choices to make our practice smoother. We also become less intimidated by doksan. We don't fight the wake-up signals laying in bed. <laughs> damn, damn drama. We also learn how to deal with anger in Sashin, anger at, ours, at others. We learn to deal with anger towards ourself. We learn to deal with self-criticism and not believing it, not buying into it. It's, it's, it's not that these things stop coming up necessarily. Maybe they will eventually, but we just don't believe it. Again, we recognize it. There's that old friend again. There it is. Okay. I'm kind of bored by you now. Sometimes we just have to go through these things. And they may stop eventually, it might not. So a big part of practice is knowing yourself enough not to fall prey to your habits. So this is part of what this koan is getting at. Not being reborn over and over and over again into those same cycles. But this is a Zen koan. So it's also about experiencing something deeper. What do these cycles look like from the absolute perspective? In other words, from the timeless perspective. What does it mean to get off the wheel of samsara from the absolute point of view? Does it mean that we stop making mistakes? Does it mean that we just don't care anymore? One way you could phrase it is by saying something like, how do you escape something without running away? One of the biggest mistakes that people make in life is believing that one day all the pieces of their life will fall into place. And then they'll start living. This kind of thinking begins early. You think of teenagers, for example. As soon as I move out of this, as soon as I move out, and then I'm on easy street. No more mom and dad dealing. Right? What about college age? Once I graduate, boy, get that job. I'm set. Pay off this debt. 
about 20 somethings. Get that promotion. Have a kid, maybe two. Then I'll, then life will be right. 30 somethings. I'll become the manager. Get a better car. Have more time to go to Sashim, perhaps. 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60s, retirement. Then I'll have time to practice. 70s, and on and on it goes. This kind of mentality is really toxic. But I think this is really the prevalent mentality that we all deal with. That someday I'll arrive. Someday, finally, the pieces will fall into place and then I'll begin living. But this is running away. It's running away from what's here into an imaginary future where you believe freedom lies. So whether we are running away through future thinking or running away, some people tend to prefer the past, the glory days. It's still running. So back to the koan, if we don't just bliss out, ignore our pain, and if we don't run off into an imaginary future or past, how do you find freedom? How do you find freedom? Shimbiyama Roshi, Rinzai, Zen teacher in Japan, uh, who's dead now, he said about this koan that many people believe that when the old man says he doesn't fall under the law of causation, that mistake that he said. He said that, that the reason he is reborn as a fox is because his response was one-sided and ignores reality. So in other words, he's reborn as a fox because uh, he's mistaken. He's ignoring causation. But everybody's subject to it, enlightened or not. So he says that's what most people believe. And that when he's released from being a fox, it's because he finally acknowledged the reality that we can't escape our lives. If this was all that was to it, then this wouldn't be a koan. Of course, there is truth in that relative way of looking at this case. That would be more of a teaching story. But what else can we find in this case? The, the young Hyakujo, the abbot, he answers the old man. He says, the enlightened person doesn't ignore the law of cause and effect. What else is there in this 
it's true. We don't liberate ourselves from cause and effect through practice. But we do liberate ourselves as cause and effect. Remember that Zen insight is seeing past all dualistic frameworks. From a Zen point of view, the reason we fall under the chain of causation, of cause and effect, is because of our dualistic thinking. What is causation? What is cause and effect? What is it really anyway? Just a concept. Just another idea. So the old man, immediately awakened, and making his bowels, he said, I'm now released from rebirth as a fox, and my body will be found on the other side of the mountain. And then, of course, Yakujo agrees to have a burial for him as a monk. And they go and they find the fox body, poke it out, and have it cremated. Even 500 lives come to an end. So the koan continues. This is sort of act two, so to speak. In the evening, Hyakujo ascended the rostrum, which uh, for people that don't know, is the podium, so to speak, in the hall and told the monks the whole story. Obaku thereupon asked the following question. I just want a word about Obaku. Uh, his Chinese name is Huang Po. Obaku. Apparently, he was uh, about seven feet tall. Extraordinary f- for somebody of that time. Uh, and the other remarkable thing about Obaku is they say that he had a big bump on his forehead and um, um, the legend is actually it's probably more than a legend but uh, the story is that uh, he he got that from doing so many prostrations uh, that was, that's a practice in some traditions is just doing prostration after prostration after prostration letting go of mind, letting go of intellect and just, it's a physical practice, it's just a in Korean tradition they do 108 prostrations every morning as a part of the service there's no ego there it gets exhausted through the prostrations and um, I heard somebody say once that this actually could be true about this bump because you see this with Islamic um, uh, with Muslims they, they do the prayers and they put their forehead to the floor and sometimes they'll get a protrusion on their forehead because a little bacteria gets in there as it rubs against the carpet or prayer mat and then it kind of bulges a little bit. So who knows, maybe that's why Obaku had this, um, this bump on his forehead. 
So anyway, so Hyakujung, or Pai Chong, said, he told the story, and then Obaku got up and he said, that old man made a mistake in his answer and suffered rebirth as a fox for 500 lives, you say. But suppose every time he had answered, he had not made a mistake. In other words, what if he had given the right answer? What would he have become then? I think most of us, if we heard this story, that would probably not be our first question. We might have a few other questions. Like, are you insane? (laughs) Is this an episode of the Twilight Zone? (laughs) Are you on drugs? But he says, what would happen if he didn't, if he hadn't made a mistake? What then? Do you see what Obaku's trying to do to Huang Po? To Tiyakujo, his master. See if you can get a sense of it. What then? What would have happened if he said the right thing? These masters used to play with each other verbally. They used to they used to banter back and forth to see if they could trap each other into sort of making a mistake into the world of duality and challenge each other. Kind of, uh, uh, one of my teachers used to say, it's kind of like um, when you get appreciation for this after years of coincide, you get appreciation for um, something else, a thing that I think emerged probably in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. It was a game that was played um, most, uh, you know, where guys, mostly guys probably, stand around, you know, like on a street corner, and and they would just kind of banter with each other. They would say, your mama's so that, da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah? Well, your mama's so da 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 right? And they would just one-up each other over and over again, sort of play back and forth, and it was always in good spirit. But it was always there was always a cleverness, a very witty cleverness to it. And so, so, so you can look at what Obako's doing is he's saying, you know, so what would happen if he made if if he didn't make a mistake? What would what would what would happen then, huh? And of course, Kyakujo doesn't fall for it. Come here, and I'll tell you. <laughs> but remember, Obaku was seven feet tall. <laughs> and so as he approaches Yakujo, uh, imagine a height of a professional basketball player who's got the reach. So he reaches out and slaps his master. Now, when I've heard talks on this koan, it seems that uh, most teachers want to emphasize that it was probably a mime of a slap. Or at least it was a very playful, light slap. It wasn't a 
forceful slap. But what's in that slap? What's in that? What's that about? Is it cruel? Is is it he just playing? When, when you get the stick in Zendo, when the kyosaku is used, how does that function for you? Slap, slap. Slap, slap. Wake up. Just this. Beyond ideas, cutting through words, cutting through notions and opinions, cutting through mistake and no mistake, cause and effect, cutting through future and past. Just this. You can't get more direct than that. You could say he answered his question directly. Muman's commentary at the end goes like this. He says, not falling into the law of cause and effect, why was he turned into a fox? Not ignoring the law of causation, why was he released from a fox body? If in regard to this you have the one Buddha eye to see into this, you'll know that the former head of the monastery did enjoy is 500 years as a fox. We have to be careful about these why questions. Why was he released from a fox body? Why was he turned into a fox? Why, why, why? Why do I suffer? Why was I born into privilege? Why was I not born into privilege? Why am I so stupid? making the same damn mistakes over and over again. Why? Why do I have a bad memory? Most, most of these questions, they don't go anywhere. They just, there's one more thing to keep you stuck. But still, he says, uh, at the end, he says, the former head of the monastery did enjoy his 500 years as a fox. What does it mean to enjoy something? Does a fox enjoy being a fox? How would you know? Robert Aiken, of, um, one of the pioneers of American Zen, related once, he was going to Sashin, and he would walk up into a park, a national park, to go to the retreat. And he was walking down the road, and he saw a fox cross the road. And then this newspaper started blowing around. And you know those little kind of mini whirling wind tornado things that you see once in a while 
kind of catches the paper and it starts swirling it up. And the fox looks at Robert Aiken and then jumps on the paper. Boom, pounce. And then looks back up at Robert Aiken again. And then jumps off the paper. And then the paper starts swirling again. And the fox jumps again. Boom, pounces. And then runs off. When you're a fox, you're just a fox through and through. When you're hungry, you're just hungry. When you're angry, you're just angry. When you're you, you're just you. There's no ideas of enjoyment. Another translation of that um, word enjoyment is that, or the different translation of the of the of the commentary is you um, that you'll know that the former head of monastery lived five hundred years of grace as a fox. So Muman's verse goes like this. Not falling and not ignoring. Two faces but one die, as in dice. Not ignoring, not falling. Hundreds and thousands of regrets. Two sides, two faces. You could say two sides of one coin. Yamada Roshi said, when you roll a die, you might get a four, you might get a one, you might get a six, and yet it's the same die. Whatever we, whatever we roll, that's what we work with. But it's not just about working with it. It's not just about getting through the day. It's about enjoying it or about living with grace. Living with grace means to one one definition I came across says it's to do honor or credit by one's presence. To live with grace. A fox doesn't stand back and say, Aw oh, man, I wish I wasn't a fox. This is the human dilemma. How we stand apart from our experience it, our experience and we judge it. So we trade our experience, we trade our direct experience for thought over and over again. Zen practice is getting more and more direct, about getting more and more direct, living more and more in touch with our senses, less and less involved in the mind. <laughs> 
the small mind. And in that way, how could you fall into the law of causation? Okay. So our time is just about up. For the remainder of Sashim. <coughs>